Welcome, friends. Lascarf here, and it's time for the newest Kirby's Dreamcast. And this is a big episode because we're going to cover Kirby's Dream Course. Hal is deep in debt. Satori Watt is handling the stress of being the president of a company. But Kirby's here to save them. This is the fourth Kirby game, and it continues to keep Hal alive as it fights to survive. If you're new here, this is a podcast about everything Kirby. We're covering all of it with as much information as possible so you can learn all about Kirby and everything around him. If you have thoughts or comments, you can direct them to us on the YouTube comments or at our Twitter at Kirby Dreamcast. Though this is a podcast episode, I highly recommend the YouTube version for this episode because there's going to be a lot of visuals accompanying this because it's a gaming episode. I'm going to be incredibly thorough in this episode. You're going to know nearly every detail about this game. I spent a lot of time playing, researching, and writing, and oh man, I did everything I could to find everything I can about this. The only things I can't find is anything that's in Japanese only, since I can't translate Japanese. That is the only blind spot I have when it comes to all the information I can get for these games. But besides that, hopefully we have everything. I'm going to tell you a lot. It's going to be a very long episode because of that. Now, the initial playthrough of the Kirby's Dream Course Normal and Extra Courses can be found on the side channel at youtube.com slash lost. Now, like I said, we spent a lot of time playing the game and writing and researching and everything. And if you want to find the initial playthrough of the Kirby game uh, with me just playing it and, and doing my research through the game itself, that can be found on the side channel we have, which is youtube.com slash scarfplays, where I put extra LPs and such. And all Kirby playthroughs are going to be on there because we're going to cover every single Kirby game in the future. And so I'm going to do this episode in sections, and here's how it's going to break down. So first part is the background and the making of Kirby's Dream Course. This can be what's going on with Hal at this time, since the last game to this point. Advertising of Kirby's Dream Course. How well did it sell? The box and game manual. The game itself. Now, if you're new to this, we try to weave the gameplay into a story about Kirby. So that's what's going to happen here. And lastly, I'm going to tell you about all the staff in the credits of this game. And there's a lot of interesting staff going on here. I can't wait to tell you about that. This is going to be a big beast of an episode, and I can't wait to talk about it. So let's get going already. So this is the fourth Kirby game, Kirby's Dream Course. It's called Kirby Bowl in Japan, and it's released in Japan on September 21st, 1994. In the U.S., it was the 1st of February, 1995, and in the EU, it was the 24th of August in 1995 as well. It was developed by HAL Labs and Nintendo EAD, a.k.a. Nintendo Entertainment Analysis and Development uh, Division. It was published by Nintendo, directed by Takashi Saito, produced by Shigeru Miyamoto, Satoru Iwata, Yasuhiro Sakai, and Takao Shimizu. The composer was Hirokazu Ando. Pro programmers were Tatsuya Abe, Teruyuki Gunji, Seiji Otaguro, Yoshimi Takahashi, Makato Kanai, Satoshi Mitsuhara, and Kei Nakajima. MapCAD programmers were Hiroaki Tsuga, Takumi Kawagoe, CG designers were Shigeru Hashiguchi, Tadashi Hashikura, and Kazuya Mura. Map designers were Shinichi Shimomura, Kensuke Tanabe, Hideki Fuji. And originally designed by Tatsuya Hishida and Shinya Takahashi. I'm going to mention a lot of them at the end of this episode for credits about them because there's a lot of figures here who are actually really important in the future. The game was also re-released on Virtual Console in 2007 on the Wii and 2013 it was on the Wii U. It was released again in SNES Classics Edition for the SNEU in September 2017 and of course most recently now in 2019 it's also on Super Nintendo Switch Online where you can play it online and the coolest thing about that is you can play that online with a friend. That is so cool. Now here's something very interesting about the game. Originally, this game was a miniature golf game called Specialty Golf, and it was released in Japan on the satellite view. I word that incorrectly. The Satellaview. The Satellaview was an add-on used on the SNES, kind of like the 32X on Sega. Midway through development, they retooled the game and used Kirby elements. And this is a theme you're going to see in the future with Kirby games is they have all these ideas, and then they put Kirby on it, and then they Kerberize it, and then they make it even better, which is great. The working title was Kirby's Tee Shot, and the team was comprised of a mix of HAL and Nintendo EAD staff. Because of this, Nintendo EAD was Nintendo's active development team from uh, 1983 to 2015. They developed Donkey Kong, Super Mario, The Legend of Zelda, F-Zero, Star Fox, Animal Crossing, Pikmin, and the Wii series. The division changed after the death of Satori Iwata when it was merged with another division named Nintendo Software and Development Division. The combined group is now known as Nintendo Entertainment Planning and Development. So part of the team that worked on Kirby's Dream Course is also done 
just a lot of legendary games for Nintendo. That's basically what's happening here. They're working together. This, I think this is the first time they work together. Yeah, it's the first time they work together uh, because, of course, HAL is now under Nintendo and they're working on a game because they're trying to keep uh, HAL going because HAL needs to pay back their debt. Though the game was in 2D, Kirby's Dream Course was the very first Kirby game with 3D gameplay and physics. The Japanese title was because they described the game as bowling with enemies as pins. That's why it's called Kirby Bowl. Because, yeah, you take out a bunch of enemies and you had to go into the hole. So you get the idea going on there. So what was Hal and Sakurai doing at this time? So the time frame we are focusing on is between the development of Kirby's Pinball Land and Kirby's Dream Course. So November of 1993, September of 1994. Immediately after the completion of Kirby's Adventure, Sakurai began planning and working on his next Kirby game. This would eventually become Kirby's Superstar on the SNES in 1996. That's right, Kirby Superstar will take Sakurai three years to make, so while he was working on that, Hal wanted to make more Kirby games as well because Hal was still deep in debt and Kirby was a gold mine. Kirby is the reason why Hal is able to pay off their debt and this is them working on to make that happen. So between Pinball Land and Dream Course, Hal developed the Japan-only Alkahest, a top-down RPG for the SNES that reminds some of Secret of Mana, and they helped port SimCity 2000, also on the SNES. They released Adventures of Lola Lola on Game Boy and helped develop Earthbound thanks to Satoru Iwata being the Superman of Programmer. If you're a fan of Earthbound, Iwata is a big reason why it happened. So, hell yeah, Iwata's amazing. So, that's what's going on at the time. This is just another Kirby game they're making because they're trying to keep HAL alive. After this, it's going to be Kirby's Dreamland 2 and Kirby's Avalanche and things like that. And ultimately, eventually, of course, HAL survives, they pay off the debt, and... HAL is mostly known as a Kirby machine, though they do make other games on occasion. But you get why, because Kirby is what saved this company, and Kirby just makes a lot of money, and Kirby's awesome. Let's talk about the commercials for a moment. In the US, Kirby's Dream Course came out in February 1995, and Kirby's Avalanche came out in May 1995. So they did a commercial combining both these games. In it, there's this guy, and he's trying to describe to police a monster that made him crush his friends with boulders, and they scare him with the drawing of Kirby, and they're eating marshmallows for some weird reason. So. This is a thing you'll see as a theme is, the US pushed really hard at making Kirby a bad dude. And by the way, we'll be covering Kirby's Dr- Avalanche after Kirby's Dreamland 2 in this podcast because we're following Japanese release date, not in US. Avalanche never released in Japan, and we'll explain that someday later. Now, the Japanese version is kind of weird as well. It's Galileo. It's a famous moment with Galileo. He dropped two weights from the Leaning Tower of Pisa to prove time of descent was an independent of mass. So hey, learn something about Galileo in a Kirby podcast, ain't that something? Now, the thing is, they show him doing that, and then after he does that, cut to a scene of him and a cardinal playing Kirby's Dream Course. If you know anything about Galileo, that is some very interesting creative licensing right there. The game was very generally well-reviewed, gaining reviews in the 80s range. It was appreciated as a fun take on a sport, attributed by GamePro as doing to golf what NBA Jam did for basketball. It sold over 590,000 copies, and that definitely helped with Hal's debt to Nintendo. Kirby's Dream Course is a lot like a putt-putt golf game, but with special Kirby powers and the ability to pop the ball, in this case Kirby, into the air. The game features 12 courses all together with 8 more unlocked as extra courses, and 4 more unlocked for the multiplayer mode. So you have a total of 24 courses you can play in this game. 8 of them are of course locked to multiplayer, so you need a player 2 for that, but that is a lot of gameplay right there. And oh man, the extra courses are harder versions of the normal courses. Way harder. This is a Kirby, this is a really good game because the skill floor is pretty good, low, kind of easy at first, but the skill ceiling is pretty high as well. This is a game that rewards a lot of different kinds of players because it can get really easy. Uh, not actually wording that incorrectly. The game is just hard. <laughs> the game's not really easy. It's it looks simple and easy, but it's actually really hard. And if you want to get all the, go- the hole-in-ones, it's even harder. This is a very good game, thinking about it difficulty-wise, because people always complain about Kirby games being too easy. This is one of those games where it ain't. It isn't at all. I remember playing this when I was like eight or something, and it was not an easy game to beat. Doing the math on the years, I would be nine or ten at the time this game came out. So, played around ten years old, and wow. It was not easy to play then, it's not easy to play now. Holy man. Once you get good at it, you can play better at it. So, the way the game works is you have to defeat every enemy on the course with the last surviving enemy be turning into a hole for Kirby to fall into to advance to the next course. Kirby gets 4 HP, 
and a number of lives per course, and he can gain more lives with hole-in-ones, most but not all holes can be completed in one shot, which makes it even more impressive when you pull that off. Kirby also heals every time he defeats an enemy so that you keep your HP going. And the beauty of the game is the freedom and the creativity of the game. You can tackle your enemies in a number of orders while you figure out the best way to get hole-in-ones or the best score of the hole. And so, I really feel like the game relies on 90% skill and 10% luck. Most factors in the game are not random, making this game a great display of skill and one of the hardest Kirby games made. Really, the randomness is mostly in the uh, two-player mode, because there was a random generator for powers in two-player mode. While single-player, there's no random generation. If you time things correctly and things like that, there is no randomness in the game whatsoever. It just feels random until you understand all the mechanics, and that's what makes this game so special, is you can be incredibly skillful at this game. Now let me tell you about the story of this game. So something unfortunate is that the USEU version doesn't have the cutscene that explains what's going on in the game itself. You had to get the story from the manual, while the original Japanese version had a cutscene after the title screen. So here's what the cutscene says in the Japanese version, that is, After a lazy day, Kirby hopes to have a good dream in the starlight. He notices that all the stars in the sky are gone, save for one. All the following nights were the same way. Worried, Kirby takes a telescope and gazes into the night sky. As he does, he finds King Dedede floating by in the distance, pulling the last star behind him. Dedede realizes the pink puff is watching and speeds off, dropping the star. It lands on the ground near Kirby. The hero promptly jumps on the star and pursues the king at his floating castle. So this scene is really, really cute, and I wish it was in the US version, because come on, why not? It is suggested that the removal of the story in the English version is likely due in order to game size for less memory to make it cheaper. The Japanese version of this game is 1.5 MBs. While other releases, the US and EU, are 1 MB, so that does make it cheaper. Also, holy crap, this game is only 1 MB, or 1.5 MB, MB with the cutscene. So, it's amazing how much you can do with that little data, considering, you know, games are in the gigs now. That's, it's crazy to think about that side. Now, if you're reading the game manual for the US version to get the story, it's actually four pages long with a one-paragraph intro, and here's what the intro is. Kirby needs your help in rescuing Dreamland stars from King Dedede. Help Kirby defeat his enemies and score points. Kirby's dream course is full of traps and tricks, with many enemy characters to defeat. Good luck and be careful. And so here's the four pages saying, ooh, there's a lot to say. Once upon a time on a little star, there was a small peaceful country called Dreamland. The Dream Spring incident was over, and the inhabitants of Dreamland returned to their normal peaceful lives. Every day they would eat delicious meals and take wonderful afternoon naps. There was no need to worry about anything since everything was so peaceful. At night, everyone slept soundly as thousands of stars lit the sky and quietly stood watch over Dreamland. The stars, known for their beauty, became the pride and joy of everyone in Dreamland. And we're shown this picture of Kirby happily in his house, and the same kind... Uh, this is the same kind of house from the Kirby anime, by the way. It looks just like it. And he's staring up the night sky full of stars, and there's a happy moon up there. It's not Mr. Bright, though. It's, it's the moon. As far as uh, I know, that, yeah, it's just a moon. It's not him. I mean, Mr. Shine. So... On page two, we see a different picture with Kirby standing outside of his home and looking up at an empty night sky, save for the moon that looks very sad to be alone. Here's what it says. One night, the inhabitants said to one another, let's gaze at the starlit sky and have wonderful dreams tonight. However, when they gazed up into the sky, they noticed something was different. The sky was black. There wasn't a single star in sight. The next morning, they were very worried. Everyone became upset and asked each other, what happened to the stars? Will we ever see them again? Then someone said, Don't worry, surely the sky will be full of stars again. However, the stars did not return that night, or the night after. Everyone in Dreamland became very sad. Page 3. How many nights have passed since they last saw the beautiful starlit sky? Every night all they saw was the pitch black sky and no stars. Everyone was in a state of shock. They were so worried that they gradually stopped eating their delicious meals and no longer enjoyed having dreams. Their spirits were sinking fast. Eventually, laughter ceased in Dreamland, and everyone stopped smiling. Man, the US version's dark. Another dark, gloomy night loomed over Dreamland. All sorts of rumors had been spreading, and everyone was saying. Before the next line, there's an image of King Dedede with leashes wrapped around the stars, and the stars are crying out for help. Here's what they say. It looks like King Dedede's behind this. I bet he's hogging all the beautiful stars for himself. Could it be that King Dedede is indeed responsible for the missing stars? And page four? If it's true, there's only one hero that can save the stars. Yes, that young hero is Kirby. He comes in with the spring breeze and saves Dreamland in times of crisis. 
Kirby sets out for his long adventure to punish King Dedede once again and take back the stolen stars. Kirby heads to King Dedede's floating castle. The king has set up many traps in his castle. His servants each have a star and they wait for Kirby's arrival at the castle. This adventure is full of new and amazing challenges. Good luck, Kirby! We then see an image of Kirby with a uh, trip sack over his shoulder with the mountains in front of him and King Dedede in the sky. And so, this version of the intro is fine, except for one issue, and that is, Kirby rides a star to the mountains, as you see in the level select, but Kirby doesn't have a star in the book version, and so they almost got it right, because Kirby gets the last star, and takes it to get to the mountains to take on King Dedede. That's what's going on, but the US version does not mention that part, so that is a bit of a disconnect, because in the game, Kirby's already on the star. So, yeah, just the US trying to make their own version of things and, th and like that, and... Almost perfect. Almost there. Almost had it. It is kind of weird, though, that people are like, I bet it's King Dedede, instead of, you know, Kirby seeing that it is King Dedede, and he knows what he's got to do. Everyone just assumes it's him, which is not wrong. They're on the money, because usually it is King Dedede being the problem. Still, it could have been something else, like one we had with Kirby's Adventure, where King Dedede wasn't the bad guy that time. He's just really bad at being the good guy. So let's talk about the box art before we talk about the game manual. So the US version of the Kirby's Dream Course is a rarity. Uh, Kirby's happy in this one, so in this one we see a checkered floor, which is the course floor in the games, and Kirby's using a parasol ability to fall into the golf hole, while Crack and Wispy Woods are in the background. There's also a broom hatter there, too, for some reason. And the US version of the box art was horizontal art, while Japanese usually was vertical. So, there's that. And it's just weird to see Kirby happy, because that's such a rarity, because they always try to make him a bad dude. Now, for the Japanese version... They're very creative in how they do their versions, and in this one, it's four layers going on here. At the top, we see King Dedede at the top of the Dream Course Mountain with a kaboo on each side of him, and Mr. Sun and Mr. Moon, I mean Mr. Shine and Mr. Bright, in the sky as well. At the base of the mountain, we see a second layer, and that is Kirby happily holding a yellow flag and a red flag, and next to him are Crackle and Wispy Woods. The third layer, a little further down, we see two angry Kirby balls pressing against each other, as they're trying to go into the hole. And the yellow Kirby, we will learn later, is Kibi. That is another of Kirby's race. And there's also Broomhatter and Waldy watching this. And this is just them showing there's a two-player mode. And at the bottom layer is the Kirby happily waving from a hole with the title Kirby Bowl up and behind him. So both box arts are cute. The Japanese one says a lot more, though. Just visually, you get a better sense of what the game is. While the US one, not as much. But you know it's going to be some kind of cute, fun game. And, oh man, the boarding on the back of this box is a bit cringeworthy uh, that you would expect from game pandering to kids. And it says, Zip across checkerboard fairways high above the earth. Scan the course and check out the obstacles ahead. Get ready for the most surprising gameplay imaginable in Kirby's battle against King Dedede. This checkerboard challenge brings outrageous hazards and bizarre surfaces. Warp panels instantly teleport you to new exciting challenges. Conveyor belts provide higher levels of adventure. Turntables take the action in a whole new direction. Gordo, Krako, Wispy Woods, and a cast of zany characters await you. Gain special powers including Fireball, Freeze, Spark, and Parasol. Transform your enemies into stars, revealing eight different cups of each wildly different course. Control the force and angle of your shot and sink Kirby for a hole-in-one. Better your score or take on a friend in two-player action. Either Atlantis courses take you to tougher and wackier levels of challenge. Select handicap settings to even the score. Defeat zany enemies using special powers and skill. So they use all these different words, like blurby words and buzzwords, to get your attention. And it's just interesting how the box art gets a bunch of things right and wrong, and the, just the manual, not the manual, but the back of the box says all these things right and wrong as well. And they just, they're like, let's just use these words from the game and that, that'll work out. It's, it's so weird. It's just kind of an odd thing. And that is just basically Nintendo US back in the day was trying to find ways to entice the kids over, and that was it. And, yeah, it, as an adult now, it just feels cringy, but I wonder how I felt about it when I was younger. So let's talk about the manual some more. It's really cute, and it is 53 pages long. Because this game is a bit complex at first to understand, and the manual explains everything. Every detail about this game, with flowcharts and descriptions of what you're doing, with words and images. It tries to explain everything. And it tries to do it visually without needing to read as well. And that's a nice thing, because not all kids can read yet. It does an incredible job of explaining the rules. And so, as I said before, there's eight courses in the single player, and, and each has eight holes. 
Uh, there will be a number of enemies to defeat, and the last one alive will turn into the hole you need to fall into to clear the hole and move on to the next one. You lose 1 HP every shot, but gain 1 HP every time you defeat an enemy. At max, you can have is 4 HP on hand. You also get 2 lives, but you can gain more when you get holes in 1. Certain enemies give Kirby a special ability he can use on the course, like a high jump or tornado ability. And if Kirby falls off the course, he loses 1 life and his power if he has 1. What makes the game so complex and skill-based is all the different course layouts. Kirby's powers and controls, I'll describe those later as they come up over in single-player mode, but Kirby can shoot across the ground, which is called a roll shot, or be shot in the air and bounce around, which is called a fly shot. On top of these shots, there's also the ability to curve your shots. There's also top spins and back spins. You can also control how much power goes into these shots as well. Thankfully, the game shows you where Kirby will be if you use a fully powered shot. That's the lines you'll see in the gameplay. It shows you where you go if you fully power things and have a normal shot, for the most part. And so, that is just very helpful to lead you a little bit. For weaker shots, though, you have to figure out on your own how well they'll go. And also when dealing with different kinds of surfaces. And that just adds more complexity. On top of that is you have the ability to make Kirby kind of just control himself a little bit more, where you can make him bounce a little bit harder, or roll a little bit more by pushing A to extend them, by just Kirby just exerting himself. There's also water traps in the game, and a well-timed boost to the bounce can get Kirby to bounce off the water instead of sinking in. And there's just a bunch of different hazards that can hurt Kirby. There's just a lot of tricks and, and things in this game, and we'll talk about them as we get into them, into the single player, as I said. And then when you get abilities, you can hit B to use them. So thankfully, the manual is very thorough and explains everything. It also explains how the final boss fight works out. It explains so much detail on multiplayer. It's really great. It covers every single hazard that's going to be in the game. And we'll talk about this as we go. And it covers every power. I'm mentioning those right now, though. It's high jump, parasol, spark, wheel, stone, freeze, tornado, needle, fireball, and UFO Kirby. This game was not easy to play as a kid. But eventually I figured it out, and I was having a lot of fun. I was able to beat it as a kid. But I was just taking the enemies a bit at a, at a time instead of trying to get these hole-in-ones, which I'm trying to do now as an adult. And when you complete the, the course, your score is tallied and you get a medal. Gold, silver, bronze, or no medal award. And if you get all medals in certain things, you unlock stuff, and we'll describe that later as well. So before I try to describe the game as a Kirby story, let's talk about the things I can't explain as a story. So the title screen is a cute shot of Kirby standing with stars around him, and the title right there, Kirby's Dream Course, on a checkered background with spotlight shining on the board. Your only options are one-play game, two-play game, and demo play. And as you can expect, the one-play game is Kirby's single-player game, where you got eight courses with eight holes for each one, and this is Kirby taking the stars back from King Dedede and ultimately fighting him in a boss battle. As I said before, there's eight more bonus courses you can unlock later on, and then there's two-player game, which is a versus battle, and if you get medals there, you can unlock four more courses. It starts with four, then there's four more. And two-player mode is a more strategic battle for stars while shooting holes instead of the normal kind of versus golf battle you would expect from other games where it's trying to get the lowest score. And it's really fun, and I can't wait to talk about that later as well. Demo play is something I really want to mention. That is, it's really good. It has 20 videos that explain how to play the game and how every power works. So you can learn how to play the game without the game manual if you lost it or just didn't come with, with the case if you like bought a new version of it. Also because of the modern versions of this. The SNES Classic and SNES Switch Online, obviously there's no game manual there. So you can learn the game from the game itself. That is a nice thing there. This is what I love about Kirby games is they try to be accessible to everyone. Kirby games can have quite tight ceilings, but they give you a pretty nice floor. That's for sure with that. Skill ceiling, skill floor. And another nice thing is, if you let the title screen idle, it'll show Kirby tackling one of the different holes in the game. And a great feature that's especially helpful for kids or just people new to gaming to make them comfortable with the idea of playing this game is that in the corner, while you're, while you're watching Kirby play, it shows you the exact button presses he's doing on the SNES controller. So you know what he's doing, so you know how to play the game from that. That is really useful. The demo gives you every different special move you can do in the game, all the different just gameplay elements. It gives you everything. This game gives you all the keys to let you play this game at the highest possible level you can. That is amazing. I love it so much. I just It's just great. It's so impressive to me. Just even back then that they did something like this. It's just so good. And what's really cool is sometimes they'll even show you Kirby doing an impressive hole-in-one in the idols as well, so you can see that they're possible. 
Something nice is when you select one player game and this is the first time you're playing it, you get to make your own profile. And it's also nice that there's multiple profiles to play this game. And you can draw your profile. This is a very rare thing you don't see in many games. Instead of just typing in a name, you draw your profile. And that's pretty nice. Now, in the game, as you complete holes, you'll see your scorecard and it will be compared to the best score of the course. First time, it'll be compared to, like, the computer. But once you beat it, it'll be just compared to yours. So you can just keep looking at your score and try to do better and better and better than that one until you can get gold medal, or just somehow get perfect. So that's a pretty nice thing where you can progress against yourself, or your friends, or family, who are also playing with their profiles. So I think that's everything, so now it's time to describe Kirby's Dream Course as a story. I'm excited for this. So to reiterate the story, Kirby and the other residents of Dreamland like to sleep a lot and really enjoy their dream. They love the starry night sky that they sleep under, but they start to notice that there's less stars every night until there's none left. Kirby investigates with his telescope and he sees King Dedede with the, a leash on the last star in the sky as he's flying away. He then notices Kirby and drops the last star as he flies away. So Kirby figures that King Dedede is up to no good again. And so he jumps on the last star to fly to the mountains where King Dedede has built a new castle to retrieve the stars from him. Upon arrival in the mountains, Kirby lands at the first mountain peak because he senses there's stars there. Upon landing there, he finds that he's unable to walk around normally and can only propel his body by means of pushing himself along the ground or bouncing himself into the air. So he's stuck in ball form again. Luckily for Kirby, he's gotten used to this form thanks to his adventure to retrieve the star rod pieces and his time in the pinball land. It is a curious land with checkered floors, lots of tricks and traps, and King Dedede's subjects littered throughout. Kirby is at the first hole of the first course. He finds himself in a small field with three caboos, and they're encased on the field with him by glowing walls. Kirby decides to take down the caboos and rolls himself at them. Upon their destruction, Kirby finds stars within them, and after taking down two caboos, Kirby sees the third become a hole. This is a curious land indeed. Kirby rolls himself into the hole and finds a star in there. He then grabs onto it and launches himself back into the air, and the star then leads him to its brethren at hole two. Kirby has now realized that each area is full of stars, and they're being guarded by King Dedede's minions. So if Kirby wants to return the stars to the sky, then he has to take down the big meanie, King Dedede's army, one group at a time. At hole two, Kirby finds the first trick pad of many he will encounter. The kick pad. Kirby finds that when he rolls into it, it forces him to move in the direction the arrow points. Kirby's worried it might take him where he doesn't want to go, but fortunately this time, it pushes him towards a kaboo, which is what Kirby wants after all. Kirby then finds that as he pushes himself along, the exertion makes him hungry. But fortunately, King Dedede's minions also have food on them, which Kirby happily scarfs down as he defeats them. So Kirby takes down the caboos in hole two and stuffs himself full as he rides that whole star to the third hole. Here, Kirby encounters something else that's new, an enemy he faced before on his adventure, Starman! Kirby bashes into the Starman and finds that he can absorb his power this way and is now able to use the high jump ability. Kirby tries it out, and... Oh no! Kirby fell off the mountain! The fall hurt Kirby greatly, but thankfully, a kind Brontobert carried Kirby back up to the hole. Kirby waves thanks to the Brontobert and realizes he lost the high jump power in the fall as well. Kirby's fine with this, since that was a very scary outcome, and he doesn't want to do that again. Kirby then sinks the hole and progresses to hole number four. At hole four, Kirby finds himself encountering three new things. First is the warp panel. Kirby finds that... When he rolls onto this panel, or even bounces onto it, it warps him elsewhere on the field, and he maintains his momentum and direction in tandem with where the warp is aiming. There's also the ever-indestructible Gordos that Kirby has been dealing with since his first outing in Dreamland, and Danger Zone spikes that look painful. Kirby can tell he'll be in trouble if he rolls into either of them, but unfortunately Kirby rolls into each at different attempts and finds the pain makes him even hungrier. Fortunately, he finds food in the fourth hole and flies to the fifth. Kirby uses what he's learned to clear hole 5 in two shots. Then at hole 6, he encounters a familiar waddle Dew holding a parasol. Once Kirby gets the parasol, he finds that he can use it to gently float down from high places. Kirby does this to get to the hole, and he can see it getting closer as he floats down. Kirby can't wait to get the food inside the hole and the star in the hole as well. And he lands just short of the hole. Kirby then nudges himself and goes into it to go to hole 7. At hole 7, Kirby encounters yet another hazard. This time it's Pons. Kirby isn't sure how he'll do, but Kirby goes for it anyway. Kirby bounces up, hits a kaboo, and then bounces towards the water, and, with enough force, bounces off the water surface and hits another kaboo. Now he's rolling along towards the last kaboo, which he turned into a hole now, and Kirby rolls, and rolls, and he's done it! 
Kirby scored his first hole-in-one in this entire place. Fireworks fly out from the mountain. Kirby is very confused, but proud of himself. He can feel his resolve grow stronger, life up, and he grabs onto the star and flies out to hole 8. At hole 8, Kirby finds yet another new thing. A button that makes the water go away. Kirby tries it out, and it makes life easier for him as he progresses the field. Or so he thought. It was a trick. Without the water there to slow him down, Kirby flies off the mountain again. Thankfully, Brown O'Bert helps him up again. Kirby waves again, but loses a little of his nerve. Eventually, Kirby clears the hole and finds himself inside a star-shaped rocket ship, and it's going further up than before, and he sees that his score on the mountain is being raided by some unknown force. Kirby did not bad. He got a bronze medal. Kirby dances in celebration of the medal and getting all the stars here. Kirby then flies off to the second mountain course. There he has a rolling landing and immediately crashes into a Sparky. Through it, he gains the Spark ability, which is handy as Kirby encounters Cracko. Kirby uses the Spark ability to avoid getting hurt by their lightning and also ducks under a Gordo. Kirby then accidentally destroys a Wispy Woods. Kirby then runs into another Wispy Woods as the Spark wears off, and Kirby bounces off him. Kirby's a little freaked out since he kind of destroyed Wispy right in front of Wispy, and that's very confusing. Kirby then flies off to the first hole. Here, Kirby encounters lots of new things. First are the enemies. Some are floating and some are on the ground. The floaters are Mr. Piumpkin, who is floating above the ground, and Gaspar, who is really floating above the ground. Kirby bounces into the air to take care of both of them. He overshoots Mr. Piumpkin and crashes into a squishy. The course is also surrounded by sand bunkers, which Kirby figures would slow him down, and they, they just slow him to a stop if he runs into him. And so Kirby stays clear of the sand and sinks into the hole to move on. Kirby remembers he's fought all three of these enemies since his first outing in Dreamland. Little does Kirby know, though, and this is very dark, but on this mountain, as he defeats King Dedede's army, Kirby will kill the last of the Gaspars and Mr. Piumpkins. Kirby will never see them ever again. Yeah, so neither of these enemies ever show up in another Kirby game. After all the games we've played, after all the games that have come out, this is the last game that has Gaspar and Mr. Piumpkin. That's it. At hole 2, Kirby faces a downhill with multiple Wispy Woods standing in his way. This continues to freak out Kirby, because what's with all these Wispy Woods? There should be only one. But Kirby faces his problems head on as always. Kirby rolls down the hill and luckily hits a Sparky, which allows him to destroy the Wispy Woods in his way with a Spark ability. At the bottom of the hill, Kirby encounters Broom Hatter as well. Kirby completes the hole and heads to hole 3. And hole 3 has yet another trick for Kirby to face. Spinning floor pads known as turntables. Kirby also finds a button that stops the pads. When Kirby rolls onto the pad, they move him a bit. Kirby hits the button to stop them and attacks the Waddle Dees on the field. He then clears the hole and flies to hole 4. This is also the first instance of Waddle Dee, a familiar opponent of Kirby's, who Kirby sometimes becomes friends with, but also on occasion, he destroys them. <laughs> because, well, they're very loyal to King Dedede. Hole 4 places a Krakow right in front of Kirby, but luckily with his spark ability from earlier, Kirby can easily get by but even if he didn't have the ability, Kirby can time it and gets past him before the lightning strikes. He then crashes into a wheelie, which gives him the wheel ability, and Kirby uses it, and he finds he can only go forward with the wheel ability until he crashes into something. So he smashes a couple of enemies until he crashes into a wall. He then bounces off the wall and slowly rolls back down the, to the hole. Kirby, by exerting himself a little bit, is able to get a little further and a little further, and then he goes into the hole, and Kirby has now done another hole in one. Good job, Kirby. Kirby then happily flies to hole 5, and he has some trouble at hole 5 and 6, but eventually gets through them. At hole 7, Kirby encounters the lawns, which are grass with arrows. This is something you see a lot of golf games where, well, when you're trying to get to the hole, there's grass around it, and usually the grass pushes the ball in a direction as you're sliding across it. So, this grass slightly nudges Kirby in a direction as he rolls across it. So Kirby tries to do bouncing tricks to get around the grass to get into the hole, but ultimately he overexerts himself and Kirby falls over from exhaustion. Kirby picks himself back up and completes the hole and moves on. So, seeing the footage here, uh, trying to just uh, skip the grass part, I just tried to jump in and failed miserably. <laughs> hole 8 introduces one last trick, the air curtains, which are air vents. It's better explained that way. These air vents activate when Kirby is above them and they blow Kirby up into the air. So Kirby has some trouble with the vents, but eventually clears the hole. Having completed the course, Kirby rockets up to be evaluated again and receives another bronze medal. Kirby does a little dance and moves on. When Kirby gets to the third course mountain, he sees a broom hatter and a waddle dee with a wispy woods between them. Kirby decides to try a curve shot and he lines it up and boom, hits waddle dee and then curves around and hits boom hatter without hitting wispy woods. Kirby's really proud of himself. He then gets to the first hole. 
At the first hole, Kirby encounters a challenging course with lots of high areas. The reason for this is the newest trick pad, the trampolines! Kirby finds that when he bounces on these pads, he bounces up really high, and if he exerts himself on them, he bounces even higher! After some difficulty, Kirby eventually figures out the trampolines and completes the hole. At the second hole, Kirby runs into a new problem, a big complicated course filled with conveyor belts everywhere! Kirby finds that when he rolls onto them, they move him over to the end of their path. Sometimes it's beneficial, sometimes this could be disastrous, as they could lead him to other conveyor belts, or to warp pads, or to spikes which will hurt him really badly, or hopefully to enemies. Kirby takes his chances and rolls out. Luckily everything works out and Kirby ends up with a parasol ability for the third hole. Kirby has some trouble with holes 3 and 4, but eventually makes his way through those as well. At hole 5, Kirby comes up against a steep problem. There's a steep incline at this hole, with three Rockies on it. Kirby rolls up to the incline and takes down two Rockies, and he then finds he has the stone ability and uses it to slide down to crush the third Rocky. Kirby's not done yet, though. There's two enemies across a pond. Kirby tries to bounce off the water, but he doesn't do enough of a topspin or momentum there, and he sinks to the bottom like a stone. And he didn't even use his ability! <laughs> Kirby then pops out of the water and takes out the broom hatter. He has some trouble with the lawn around the hole, but eventually bounces in. Kirby's been fighting Rockies since uh, Kirby's Adventure, by the way. Hole 6 becomes easy work thanks to the stone ability. Then there's Hole 7, where Kirby encounters an old enemy, Chili! There's a lot of water here, so Kirby has an idea. Kirby bashes into Chili, and then uses their ice ability to freeze the ice, and he slides across the ice water. Eventually, Kirby puts all his enemies on ice and completes the hole. Hole 8 also proves tricky with some water issues, but Kirby skates his way to victory. And Kirby then receives another bronze medal, and does another dance. Kirby is quite happy with his successes, and moves on to the fourth mountain course, and begins at hole 1. The course is an interesting patchwork of sand bunkers and trees and a new enemy, Twister. Kirby hasn't seen them since his adventure, and Kirby is sure to take full advantage of their power. After a couple mistakes, Kirby figures out how to get around the sand bunker and hit Twister. He then uses the tornado ability to take out a broom hatter and get him in position to finish the hole. With a new power learned, Kirby moves on to hole 2 with confidence. He then utilizes that ability to conquer that hole, and same for hole 3. Kirby does have some trouble with hole 4 after taking a beating from some Gordos, but eventually muddles his way through there as well. At hole 5, Kirby encounters Togezo, a spiky shell enemy. There's a steep cliff that could mean the doom of Kirby if he's not careful, but fortunately after Kirby defeats one, he gains the needle ability and is able to stick to the course no matter the angle. So he can be on an incline and he just stays there because of the, the spike ability. At hole 6, Kirby runs into the dash pads, which can propel him very far forward very fast. He avoids them for now and completes the hole without issue because these pads are going to be very scary soon enough. Hole 7 and 8 are a bit of trouble, but Kirby gets through them just as well, and he earns another bronze medal and dances. Kirby is now halfway through King Dedede's mountain base, and Kirby is really feeling confident in himself going forward. So much so that Kirby comes back to test his tornado skills. Kirby comes spinning in, takes out a twister, and then tornadoes around a wispy woods to take out a Waddle Dee, Broom Hatter, and Squishy. Kirby's so surprised at how well he did that he falls over from the dizziness. Kirby then looks forward to the fifth mountain course. When Kirby first arrives, he sees a lone Waddle Dee guarded by a Gordo. With careful aim and timing, Kirby rolls by the Gordo and takes out the Waddle Dee. He then celebrates his well-timed shot and gets hit in the back by a Gordo. Kirby gets knocked out for a moment. Poor Waddle Dee and poor Kirby. Kirby gets back up and heads to the first hole. Now the first hole is tricky with lots of hilliness to it and traps all over, but after some struggle, Kirby makes it through. The same goes for holes 2 and 3. These holes are giving Kirby tougher challenges that require him to have mastered the various abilities and tricks he's learned up to this point to deal with the increasing difficulty of the courses. Makes sense since this is beyond halfway through the game now. Kirby then faces an incredibly daunting task at hole 4, but eventually muddles through. Hole 5 presents a fun challenge for tornadoes and a high jump as well. So Kirby has been doing okay at the 5th course, but hole 6 presents a new problem. The hole is made up of two islands. Kirby must make his way across the island and then try not to fall off if he's to complete this one. So Kirby surveys the area and then blasts himself forward. Unfortunately, Kirby crashes into Krakow on the other side and gets knocked off the field. Kirby is hurt but not deterred. Kirby notices a warp pad that he can get to to the other island with, and he uses it to sneak behind Krakow. After some trouble and another beating from Krakow, Kirby eventually defeats the hole with a sigh and with a sigh of relief, moves on to hole 7, grumbling that that mean cloud is going to get it someday. <laughs> hole 7 is a fun relief stairwise hole after what Kirby just went through. 
Hall 8 turns out to be another fun time, where Kirby gets some catharsis by sparking through some wispy woods before he flies into the final hole. Kirby gets another bronze medal, and with pride flies off to Mountain Course 6. But we know what pride does, it always comes before a fall. The first hole of Course 6 is a big impressive maze of walls. Kirby doesn't think he could get very far with one roll, but then he notices his closest enemies. It's Flamer! Another enemy Kirby first encountered on his big adventure a while back. They give Kirby the fire ability, so Kirby hits them and then uses the ability to quickly fly forward and bounce around the field. Kirby takes down every enemy and goes too hard and misses the hole. <laughs> Kirby settles for a two-shot score, and sadly for Kirby the same thing happens in hole two. Kirby does really well, just misses the hole, and gets a two-shot there as well. So with some disappointment from not getting a hole-in-one in the first two holes, but Kirby still has pride in his skill, and Kirby moves on to hole three. This hole is incredibly daunting, though. It's a horseshoe shape that must be crossed over an incline. So Kirby starts on one end of the horseshoe, and then, like, the back U part of the, of the horseshoe is an incline, and then the other part of the course is the other end of the horseshoe U, and that incline is very difficult to get around. There's also spike pits to deal with as well on the horseshoe, and Kirby tries his best to get across, but shorts it and falls off the course. Kirby tries again to curve his way over to the other side and falls down the pit again. Kirby is now incredibly tired, but he won't give up. Kirby does a short shot to get him in a better angle, and then he fires off again. He goes around the horseshoe. He's gotten to the other side. But then, no! Kirby rolls into a spike pit and gets bounced off the course! It's game over! No! Tuckered out, Kirby sleeps lots and lots to recover. Master Hand comes down to try to awaken Kirby, but he just won't wake up. So Master Hand gets mad and calls down a giant star. It crushes Kirby, and Kirby just keeps sleeping, so Master Hand just gives up and leaves. That's the, that's the game over if you don't continue right there. So after some time, Kirby finally gets back up to tip-top shape and heads out to, the con to conquer Mountain Course 6 this time. Kirby comes in hot and barely misses getting a hole-in-one on holes 1 and 2 again, and then he faces hole 3 again. This time Kirby's ready, and Kirby knows he can't let himself fail again. The people of Dreamland are counting on him, and so are the stars themselves. Kirby places himself to where he was last time, before his last fall, and he blasts himself across the incline. Oh no, he has too much momentum again! He could roll into the spikes again, but luckily Kirby rolls into a sand bunker instead, and it slows him down. He then gets into the hole with some trouble, but thankfully it's over. <laughs> hole 4 doesn't give Kirby much trouble, and he breezes through it, but then hole 5 proves to be a big complicated mess, and Kirby has a lot of trouble there. He goes all over the place and ends up requiring a whopping nine shots to complete it. He just keeps whiffing his shots or underestimating what he needed to do, but Kirby eventually struggles through this course and gets to hole six. At hole six, Kirby's tired and hungry. He's more than halfway through now, only a few more holes to go. Kirby looks down the course with concern, but he keeps pushing forward. Kirby struggles through hole six and then takes a very interesting hole at hole seven. Hole 7 has Kirby alone at the top of an island, with two islands below him. Kirby, tired and hungry, leaps to the second island. He bounces off a trampoline at the second island with great force and crushes a Waddle Dee beneath his weight. Kirby then rolls down a hill and pushes with all his might. He's exerting himself as much as he can. And then Kirby rolls in for a hole-in-one! With this, Kirby regains his composure and rushes to the final hole. Hole 8 looks straightforward. A bunch of enemies are on a spike pit. Kirby tries to do some tricks now that he's feeling better, but it doesn't go well at all. Kirby accidentally falls into the spikes and it hurts a bunch. Kirby recovers and tries again, only to put in too much firepower and roll off the course. With only a little energy left, Kirby pushes forward steadily and tries to finish off his final targets. He takes them out a bit at a time. Then Kirby finally sinks into the final hole after some more trouble and is happy to be done with this course. Kirby sadly accepts not earning a, even a bronze medal here. But before Kirby leaves, he tries to style one more time. Kirby burns onto the scene! He takes out a Waddle Dee and a Broom Hatter, and then all he has to do is land in the hole. Kirby bounces off a of Wispy Woods and bounces towards the hole and... just misses this hole too. Kirby silently grabs onto a star and moves on to Mountain Course 7. At the first hole, Kirby encounters a UFO, yet another enemy Kirby first encountered on his adventure a while back, which has the most useful power Kirby could find in these mountains. The power of... UFO! Kirby bounces up and bashes the UFO, and then uses their power. Worth it, Kirby is able to mostly completely move around without much restriction besides a time limit. With the power of UFO, Kirby is able to easily get a hole-in-one, which gives Kirby a big boost of confidence going forward. 
The second hole is extremely tricky and gives Kirby a lot of trouble. Unfortunately, he couldn't keep UFO. It was so tricky, in fact, that Kirby accidentally blows himself off the stage again. Oh no! Kirby does recover and clears the rest of the hole without incident, though. Holes 3 and 4 are uphill battles, but Kirby takes them out pretty well. Then hole 5 looks like a lot of fun to Kirby. All you have to do is rush into some dash pads, take down a Sparky, then roll into a kick pad then that will direct him to a dash pad under a Krako, and then he will use all that to survive with Sparky under the Krako, and then he'll roll into a Starman, which he will use as a high jump to get over another Krako to fall into the hole. And Kirby does all of that. He clears it, except Kirby jumps over Krako too early and falls into the water. Kirby then gets out of the water and sinks for a hole in two instead. Kirby also has an incredibly fun time showing off at hole six. He rolls into a squishy, rolls back down an incline, and high jumps on top of a Sparky, bounces onto a conveyor belt, activates Sparky as he rolls down across a lawn and into a Starman, and then a Wispy Woods as he's still in Sparky mode, so he takes out the Wispy Wood, and finally rolls onto another conveyor belt, which then gets him into a hole-in-one. Kirby did a really good job there. He's really ecstatic. He's really proud. Kirby's getting really happy now. And then hole 7 happens, and Kirby gets some sweet revenge. He's able to use the spark ability to let him destroy two Krakos, and a third is lucky to be alive after that. Kirby then moves on to hole 8 with some satisfaction. And then with some puzzling troubles, Kirby clears the 8th hole and gets himself another bronze medal. Kirby feels happy with himself. And Kirby really enjoyed the UFO power, so he knocks out a Waddle Dee and jumps down a hole to find a UFO. But the momentum is too great, and Kirby falls out of the UFO. Thankfully, he comes back and pulls Kirby onward. And this is almost it. Kirby has arrived at Mountain Course 8, the last and hardest of the courses, and holy crap it is. Though Kirby still has lingering traumatic memories of Course 6, Kirby moves forward with determination. Kirby lands at the 8th mountain and looks around. But then King Dedede ambushes him! King Dedede knocks Kirby silly with his hammer and then hides. Kirby looks around confused and moves on, but King Dedede follows him to hit him some more. Kirby turns around and jumps back with shock! King Dedede sees he's been found out and quickly leaves before Kirby can make him pay. Grumbling, Kirby turns his attention to Hole 1 to get the last of the stars from King Dedede's clutches. And Hole 1 is an incredibly daunting task. It's all downhill with wispy woods all over the place, there's warp pads and enemies littered throughout, and it's just a rough time. After 8 rough shots, Kirby eventually completes the hole and moves on, incredibly hungry and tired, which is no surprise after all that ordeal. Hole 2 isn't much easier, and Kirby makes more mistakes, and he ends up in the water. Eventually, he recovers and clears hole 2 with less complications. The same goes for holes 3, 4, and 5. Each have their quirks and difficulties, but he eventually clears them. Also, by the way, hole 5 is the last Mr. Pumpkins in existence, and Kirby is now forever done smashing pumpkins. Good thing, too, he might have gotten a season desist from that band. Hole 6 allows Kirby to utilize the power of UFO again, and he has some funny crashes and eventually gets to the hole. And then hole 7 is a really complex hole that has nearly every power. Kirby tries to figure it out using his UFO, but immediately crashes. Kirby tries to get tricky and unfortunately falls off the field as well. These holes have not been kind to Kirby. And after much struggle, Kirby completes the seventh hole and heads to the last hole of the mountain. It's been a long and hard-fought battle for Kirby in these mountain courses. But finally now, Kirby is nearly finished. Before him is the final hole. Completely possible to get a hole in one here if Kirby can utilize all powers correctly. So Kirby grits down and gets ready for the final hole. He rolls out and uses his fire attack, and bounces off Wispy Woods and falls off the field again! <laughs> Not a good start! Learning his lesson, though, Kirby bounces off Wispy Woods and hits Twister for Tornado. He then gets hurt by a spike trap and uses Tornado to hit a chili. Then Kirby hits Dash Pad and immediately uses the ice to freeze the water. Except no, Kirby doesn't use the ice in time and sinks into the water. Oops! These mountains have been a long-fought battle, and Kirby is definitely getting tired. Kirby pops out of the water and crushes a Rocky and then uses their ability to get to a wheelie for the wheel ability, and then runs over a flame to get the fire ability. Kirby then uses fire to hit a wall and fall back in the water. <laughs> oh, it's rough. Oh, it is rough. Kirby has some struggles getting out of the water, but eventually gets out. Tired and groggy and very hungry, Kirby bounces and hits UFO, and he then uses UFO to kill the last three gas bars in existence, mind you, and then crashes into a star man. He then bounces into the hole. And with the final hole complete, Kirby rockets to the last platform to evaluate how he did and reflect on his battles. Kirby doesn't know it, but there are no more gas bars left. Kirby has killed the last of their kind. Kirby doesn't even notice he didn't get a medal either. <laughs> so, yeah, the final hole utilizes every single power, and you have to do a bunch of tricks with them, 
in tandem with each other. Like, there's a bunch of different tricks you can do here, and you can get a hole-in-one there. It is an amazing hole. It's very straightforward, but very difficult, because you have to know all the different tricks of the powers. It's really cool. And if you get the hole-in-one, just well done. So with every star gathered, King Dedede's castle is revealed, and Kirby flies off to confront him. It has been a very, very long day, and Kirby really wants some sweet dreams. So now it's time to hit the king for being a meanie to everyone. Kirby lands on a platform and confronts King Dedede, who instantly jumps away and summons a mech to fight him. Kirby shouts a battle cry and prepares for battle. Now that we're at this point, let's take a moment to read what the game manual says about this battle. Help Kirby battle against King Dedede after completing all eight rounds in one player game. The king has ordered his strong henchmen to stand guard and wait for, king for Kirby's arrival. Go after King Dedede and retrieve the stars of Dreamland. Make sure you have many balls, Tihi, which are lives, in stock when you confront King Dedede in battle. The power meter does not appear on the screen when you battle with the king since you can shoot balls at max power at any time. The giant King Dedede mech looks like King Dedede, but it's metal and has a clamp on it for a left hand and a drill for the right hand. It steps towards Kirby and lets out smaller toy King Dedede's to attack Kirby. Kirby tries to get his bearings and launches himself at the mech. He hits it and damages it and makes it back off. He then goes after the toys that try to stop them from overwhelming him, but Kirby isn't able to stop all of them in time and they knock him off the stage. Kirby tries to fight all these things at once, but it's not enough, and the mech eventually edges closer and Kirby keeps hitting them away, but eventually Kirby can't do enough, and the mech gets too close and kicks Kirby right off the platform. Game over. Kirby sleeps to recover again, but Master Hand won't let Kirby rest this time. Victory is nearly in Kirby's grasp, so Master Hand summons a star again! But instead of dropping it on him, the star bursts from the ground and blasts Kirby into the air, which surprises the heck out of Kirby and wakes him the heck up. Kirby then grabs onto the star and gets going. So that's what you get for if you hit continue instead of game over. Kirby faces King Dedede's mech once again, and this time Kirby is wiser, smarter, more aged with time. They're all the same thing. Kirby preemptively launches himself at the mech, and when the toys come towards him, Kirby bounces them off immediately. Kirby is letting nothing hurt him this time. The mech is nearly destroyed. Kirby can feel it, but this distracts Kirby and a toy slams into him. The mech is nearly upon Kirby again. Kirby launches himself again and destroys the mech. King Dedede gets away as Kirby blows up the castle and frees the stars. Kirby then flies into space and places the stars into constellations while the credits roll. Kirby makes whatever comes to mind. So he makes a big hammer, a maxim tomato, a fish, a star, a parasol, a star rod, he makes a Kirby, and he spells out E-N-D. Kirby then flies home to get some well-deserved sleep. The end. And so ends our story about Kirby and his dream course adventure. And by the way, how much must it weird out the Dreamlanders when they see a big E-N-D in the sky? Just end? It was like, uh, <laughs> what? That's how powerful Kirby is, by the way. He's able to place the stars in the sky in whatever shape he wants. That is crazy. So for completing the game, you don't gain anything new, actually. But when you get at least a silver medal on all courses, you unlock extra courses. These extra courses are even harder versions of the holes in the game. It changes Kirby's placement, enemy placement, which enemies there are, and it also changes obstacles. You can still get holes in one here, but they are require a lot more precision and better ideas how to tackle the holes and how to use the powers. I spent so many hours playing this game, getting gold medals and like silvers and then gold medals in normal, and then getting silver and gold medals in extra to see what all the unlockables are. And oh man, you get really good at this game after all that. But it's, it takes a lot of work. And like, if you thought the normal courses were a challenge, extra is extremely hard. It's so much more daunting. But if you get all gold medals with the normal courses, you unlock Map Select, which allows you to do any hole you want. So you can try to perfect your shooting even more. So instead of having to, if you want to do like hole 8 of something, instead of having to go through 1 through 7 to get there, you can just do 8 right there. So that's a pretty nice feature. And if you get at least bronze in all extra courses, you unlock sound test mode, which is curved with the headphones, and you get to hear every sound effect and every song, and that's really cool right there. You get all silvers in extra courses, and you unlock something I've never seen before, and that is dance select. That's right, you get to pick every Kirby victory dance in the game just to watch them if you want. And all gold medals in extra course unlocks the map select for, course, for extra course. There's also the extra courses for two-player mode that you unlock if you get at least a bronze on all four courses there as well. And speaking of two-player mode, let's talk about two-player mode. So Kirby's Dream Course is the only game with another of Kirby's kind in-universe. Other versions of Kirby are either splits of Kirby or alternate dimensions like Shadow Kirby from the Mirror World. Random Mirror World uh, fact by the way, that I'll repeat when we get to that game, is 
Shadow Kirby is pure good in a world that is the dark reflection of Kirby's world, which implies that Kirby has no badness in him. Kirby's pure good, which is why Shadow Kirby's also pure good. There's theories that Meta and the other knights might be from Kirby's race as well, but those have just never been confirmed still. So, right now, the only other Kirby that's in this universe is Kibi. That's it. And yeah, that's the name of the other Kirby. Just, yeah. So, Kibi is the yellow Kirby in this game. And he's the player too. And he has all of Kirby's powers in Dream Course. And Kirby and Kibi are apparently bitter rivals because they're always frowning each other in like everything as they battle for dominance in the Dream Course. Kibi should not be confused with the yellow Kirby, by the way, who's just a color variation of Kirby who gets split off from Kirby. And the first time you see them is an amazing mirror. Kibi and yellow Kirby are always the player too in all Kirby games, by the way. Kibi exists because of Shigeru Miyamoto. Back when the first Kirby game came out, Miyamoto thought Kirby was yellow, while Sakurai's like, no, he's pink. In the end, Sakurai won and Kirby was pink. And Dream Course makes player 2 yellow in reference to that. This is the only game with Kibi, by the way. All the other games are a Kirby split or a copy Kirby that's yellow Kirby. That's just the distinction to make is this is the only game with Kibi in it. It'd be interesting if we see Kibi ever again and not yellow Kirby. That'd be very interesting to see if we saw him again. And by the way, something else I mentioned earlier is SNES Switch Online, you can play Kirby's Dream Course online with a friend. So all the footage here of two-player mode, uh, that's on the YouTube version, if you're watching the YouTube version, is with me playing against Jinx, the editor of these podcasts. And so you have a choice from four different courses named after different Kirby enemies. There's the Wispy Woods course, the Mr. Shiny Mr. Bright course, the Krakow course, and the Gordo course. And Gordo is meant to be the hardest, while Wispy Woods is meant to be the easiest. These are completely new and different courses, by the way, from the single-player course, and each one also has its own cutscenes of Kirby and Kibi attacking each other with powers. And after the course is selected, both players get to roll a die to see who gets to go first, and you can pick handicaps if one player is better at the game than the other to make it more fair. The HP system is the same, so you lose 1 HP every time you, uh, you do a shot and you gain from hitting enemies. You also gain HP from going in the hole first, which is 2 HP. Kirby and Kibi can ram into each other on the board and make each other lose 1 HP. So if whoever hits the other one, they lose 1 HP. And you can knock someone off the board as well. Falling off the board is 2 HP loss instead of a full life loss. There's no lives in this mode. But when someone hits 0 HP, they sleep for a turn, which gives the other player an extra turn. You can also steal powers by hitting the other player. So you can switch powers with, say, like, Kibi has UFO and Kirby has nothing. Kirby can hit Kibi to steal UFO from them. Another example is if, let's say, Kirby has fire and Kibi has ice. Kirby hits Kibi, Kirby gets the ice ability, and Kibi gets the fire ability. They can also attack each other with the, the abilities as well to be extra mean. So you can just burn Kibi, or you can freeze Kirby and stuff like that. And freezing also strategically makes the Kirby or Kibi be frozen for a turn, so it's another way to give you an extra turn as well. And what I like about this two-player mode is just how strategic it is. The courses aren't necessarily designed for hole-in-ones. You can still get hole-in-ones here. But they're designed to take a couple shots to get through so that both players have things they can do. And there's so much strategy going on here because it is a score-based game instead of a stroke-based game. Every enemy drops one star when you hit them, but the stars stay where the enemies were, which means the other player can follow up behind you and take those stars from you. So let's give an example of strategics right here. Let's say it's a four-enemy course, which means there's five stars because the whole... Uh, which I didn't mention earlier, the hole counts as two stars, while enemies count as one star. So what you can do here is, Kirby could hit three enemies and then get just close to getting a hole-in-one on the hole. And so with that, Kirby has like five stars. He's got all of them, but he hasn't completed the hole yet. Kibi behind him can get the first three stars, and there you go. So now Kibi controls three stars, and Kirby controls two stars. So Kirby now has to decide, does he want to go in the hole and be losing by one star, or turn around and take some of those holes, some of those stars first, then go in the hole, to try to get an advantage. That's something you can decide on there, and that's a very interesting feature. An advanced player as well could conceivably just make it happen. So Kirby gets the first three, barely doesn't get into the hole, Kibi behind him gets the, the first three, and then hits Kirby into the hole, so that Kirby only gets two stars while Kibi gets three. That's a strategic thing you can do. It ain't easy, but it's a thing you can do, and that's what I really like about this game is just how complex it can become if you let it be. Or you can just be two friends just messing around and just hitting each other into bad situations. That's something you can do as well. Much of Jinx's chagrin, I do that a lot. Two-player mode also introduces one new trick panel, and that is the sun and moon for bright and shine. If you hit it, it will switch the, the colors of the stars. So say Kirby has three pink, and then Kibi has two yellow. If you hit that thing, 
it'll turn Kirby's three pink into three yellow, and it'll turn Kirby's two yellow into three into two pink. That's what it does. It just changes the colors. And there's also one new enemy, which gives a random power when killed by Kirby or Kibi, which makes it even more randomness to the levels. That's like I said, two-player mode has more randomness because of this enemy, while, while one player has no randomness pretty much. So two-player mode is a lot of fun, and I recommend the heck out of it. If you want to just mess around, it's really fun. You want to play with real strategic thought, you can do that as well. This is why I love Kirby games. There's so much room to do so many different things with them. And the last thing I want to mention is the staff. Everyone knows who Masahiro Sakurai is, everyone knows who Sitaru Iwata is, and everyone knows who Shigeru Miyamoto are. These guys are legends, but what about everyone else? So I'm going to go down line, it's going to get really wordy, but oh my god, some of these people are amazing. Takashi Saito directed this game, and he will become a project manager for Kirby 64, he's going to be on the development team for Wii Sports and Wii Play. Hirokazu Ando composed Kirby's Dream Course, and he has been the sound guy, composer, or lead sound for Every single Kirby game except the original. He did not work on Tr Kirby's Dream Land. That is the only one he didn't work on. He did all the sound for Super Smash Bros. the original, by the way. He's also part of the sound team on all Smash Bros. games as composer or sound or whatever. He's always in those things. Takao Shimizu co-produced Kirby's Dream Course, and he will do so much more following this. He will direct Star Fox 64, Pokemon Stadium 1 and 2. He produces Super Mario Galaxy. An assistant directs Super Mario Sunshine. More recently, he was on the UI system director for the NES and SNES classics. Yasuhiro Sakai co-produced Kirby's Dream Course. He's a graphic designer by trade, so he made or edited a bunch of game manuals for Nintendo over the years. Tetsuya Abe uh, was a programmer on nearly all Kirby games pre-2000, then became project manager of all Kirby games starting from Kirby's Canvas Curse, and he's in the credits from this point forward as a programmer or project manager all the way. Tedeyuki Gunji became chief programmer for Kirby's Dreamland 3 and Kirby 64, and then he was project manager for Kirby Nightmare in Dreamland before Tetsuya Abe became the project manager for every Kirby game going forward. Eventually, he became project manager of the P-Cross games. After Kirby's Dream Course, Satoshi Mitsuhara left to join Game Freak and programmed every Pokemon game from 1999 to 2008, he then returned to Hell and supported or produced every Hell game from that point forward. Hiroaki Suga will produce every Kirby game up to Planet Robobot. Takumi Tawagoe is an interesting one. Kirby's Dream Course was his second game. After this, he becomes Nintendo's Demo Man, and he's been making and directing cutscenes and demos for Nintendo all the way to the present. He was cinematic design for Breath of the Wild and Super Mario Maker 2 as his most recent works. He's done work on all demos and cinematics for Legend of Zelda, Pikmin, Mario, all of them. All of them. Metroid, just everybody. It's all these games. He's the guy who's been making the demos. Tadashi Hashikura is a graphic designer, and he will design a lot of the courses and stages for Kirby going forward. He also designed a lot of the motifs as well. He was in charge of modeling nearly all the stages of Super Smash Bros., original and melee. Most recently, he did motif design on Kirby Star Allies. Tatsuya Hishida first designed golf games for Nintendo, so he was a great fit for Kirby's Dream Course. He eventually got involved with Pokemon and art directed the stadium games. He directed Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire and supervised Mother 3. More recently, he character designed for Super Mario Maker. Kensuke Tanabe is a living legend I've never heard of. Oh my god. His first game was Yume Koji Kojo Doki Doki Panic, which he directed. He then directed and course designed Super Mario Bros. 2. From there, wow, he has done a lot of things. He directed, map designed, written scripts, supervised, translated, and so many more things. This man is on the credits for over 120 video games for Nintendo. In the last decade, he has become a producer for a lot of the major Nintendo titles, and his most recent release is Luigi's Mansion 3, and he's currently producing Metroid Prime 4. Shinya Takahashi is another living legend I never heard of. Kirby's Dream Course was his third game ever. He worked on design for a decade, then for the next two decades he became a producer, and his list of producer credits is twice as long as Kensuke uh, Tanabe's. Most recently, in just 2019, he was general producer of Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, Tetris 99, Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn, Yoshi's Crafted World, Box Boy Plus Box Girl, Super Mario Maker 2, Fire Emblem Three Houses, Astral Chain, Super Kirby Clash, and Link's Awakening. This man is very... Very busy. He's been in over like 200 games. Holy crap. And lastly, 
is Shinichi Shimamura, map designer for Kirby's Dream Course, also designed the map for Kirby's Adventure, and was designer for Kirby's Pinball Land. He gets promoted to director for Kirby's Dream Lands 2 and 3. He also directed Kirby 64 and Kirby Nightmare in Dream Land. And he is, to my understanding, the accredited creator of Dark Matter. And after making Kirby's Nightmare in Dream Land, he just vanished. No one knows what has become of him in the last 17 years. That is nuts. So as you can see, a lot of amazing people started or were just beginning when they worked on Kirby's Dream Course. And you'll notice a lack of women, unfortunately, which is an unfortunate truth at the time. Game development was almost exclusively male at the time, which is just too bad. So that is everything around Kirby's Dream Course. The script for today's episode was over 11,000 words long. The usual Kirby Ryback right Atcha script is about 3,000 to 4,000 words long. Please share this with your friends. This was a heck of a long labor of love. I love Kirby so much. And just wow, I, I just want everyone to learn about this game and every game going forward. The next game we will cover will be Kirby's Dream Land 2, followed by Kirby's Avalanche. And next episode will be episode 28 of the anime, and that one has some fun moments. This has been Kirby's Dreamcast Podcast. I had fun talking, and I hope you had fun watching and listening. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Having fun. Thanks for coming by, and see you next time. <laughs>